It's very suspicious, yes. Tonight, the aftermath of the blaze that destroyed a piece of Toronto's history and why officials say it may have been set intentionally. But we begin with breaking news from our city's core. Police say a man's been shot near Bathurst and King. This happened shortly after 5 this evening. Officers say he is in serious condition. He was taken to a trauma center at St. Mike's Hospital. At this point, there's no word on suspects or arrests. Stay with CTV News for all the latest developments on this story. We will continue to bring you any updates as they come in throughout the night. Turning now to some information many families will need to unpack as they get ready for the upcoming March break. Pearson Airport says it's taking steps to avoid another round of passenger pandemonium this holiday travel season, but there's already some confusion about what those measures will actually be. CTV's Mike Walker joins us now from Pearson Airport. Mike, what is the airport planning? Well, Michelle, starting the week of March break, Pearson will be limiting the number of flights taking off and arriving here at the airport. This isn't an attempt to avoid the chaos and disruptions experienced here last year, but questions are swirling about what this will mean for airlines that have booked and planned their flights months in advance. On the arrivals. With a surge of travelers anticipated for the March break, Pearson International Airport will be implementing a hard limit on flights during peak times. A measure meant to avoid a repeat of last year's chaos that included cancelled flights, delays and baggage issues. If, it, if what they do is going to make it more efficient and make sense. It seems kind of counterintuitive. I mean, they're not dealing with the problem at hand. Personal and resources. During the March break and summer travel season, Pearson will limit the number of flights arriving and departing at any given hour. The number of passengers arriving internationally or departing to the U.S. will be capped at each terminal. The Greater Toronto Airports Authority states these slot measures strike a balance between airline commercial interests and the capabilities of the entities across the entire airport ecosystem to deliver successfully on travel demand. As long as we're not standing in line for hours and missing our flights and having experiencing all those cancellations, it's great. Experts say it's a necessary move that could help prevent the backlogs experienced last year that was caused by increased flights and the ongoing labor shortage. Somehow, some way, the industry has to kind of figure out what the capacity is of the infrastructure uh, to, to support the schedule that's being offered by the airlines. The GTAA hasn't said what the flight caps will be set at. It's also not clear how this will impact flights already planned. Experts say the timing could be problematic. Typically, you know, the airlines typically give the schedules to the to the airports six to eight months ahead of time. A few of those passengers will not, in fact, be able to go because the airlines are going to have to cancel flights in order to respect these caps. And that worries some travelers. It's probably going to create more frustrations for families that want to get away and can't get away if there's less flights. I would assume there's going to be uh, more costs. Air Canada tells CTV News it has already adapted its schedule where required and that this is an ongoing process. Now, Air Transit tells us this won't impact its operations in the short term. WestJet says it hasn't had to cancel flights, but has had to make adjustments to its trans-border and international flights. Reporting live at Pearson Airport, I'm Mike Walker. Michelle, back to you. Thank you, Mike. A popular downtown restaurant is getting a lot of attention tonight, but for all the wrong reasons. An overnight fire torched a significant part of myth near King and Spadina. Now, officials want to know what or even who may have started the blaze. CTV's Austin Delaney's live near the area and joins us now. Austin, what are officials saying? 
Well, they're saying it's very suspicious, possibly arson, that somebody might have deliberately set this fire. The restaurant was closed. It was four in the morning. Firefighters braved the cold night air, dousing water on the building. Smoke billowed out the windows. Flames had spread quickly, they say, from the outdoor patio on Brant Street just north of King, rising at lightning speed through the floors. It was bumped up to a second alarm. Crews uh, attacked that. We had to use force of entry to get into the building. As you can see, it's a rather big building, and it was just the back section that actually uh, where we had fire migrated into the first and second floors. It was the home of the lively and popular King West Greek restaurant called Myth. The ambiance, because there's very few restaurants that really have a lively ambiance. It was really nice, really good environment. I mean, when they renovated, uh, it was a great restaurant and great uh, nightlife kind of area. You sad to see it go like that? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it was a really great spot to come for dinner and just socialize. Um, I'm definitely really known around King Street, around, around Toronto. The restaurant nightclub was newly renovated with an emphasis on wood finishings during the pandemic. But around four this morning, all that work was quickly destroyed. It was sprinklered, uh, which helped quite a bit. But our crews, it was stubborn. There was a, a lot of hidden fire in there. As you can imagine, an old building like this with false ceilings and, uh, and a I believe some of it's under uh, renovation on the second and third floors. Myth issued a statement that reads in part, the entire team at Myth is reeling from the devastating news of a fire at our venue this morning at 4 a.m. on Tuesday, February 28th. We are in shock and disbelief, but also incredibly grateful that no one was injured as a result. But it is this statement from the fire department that has the neighborhood talking. It's very suspicious, yes. The very suspicious cause brought forensic detectives who specialize in arsons to the scene this afternoon. It doesn't look like it was just a regular fire. Something was amiss. Yeah, very suspicious because of what firefighters found when they were battling the fire, what they found on that patio behind me where it began reporting live. I'm Austin Delaney. Thanks, Austin. Police have arrested a man wanted in the death of a former Toronto journalist, Robin Robert Robin Croppardwolf turned himself in earlier today. He is accused of injuring Michael Finley in an unprovoked attack on January 24th near Danforth and Jones. Finley later died in hospital. Croppardwolf has been charged with manslaughter. The problem is now considering a TikTok block to protect against cybersecurity threats. Why it may follow the federal government's lead and what could be next. That's coming up. But right now, a live look at the city tonight from our CTV News Chopper. We're in the calm after the storm and a big difference from last night's slushy and slippery commute home. This is more like it. Lindsay Morrison is here with a look at the current conditions. Lindsay. Yeah, nice and calm tonight. Michelle, gone is that snow that uh, blanketed the region yesterday. It continues to impact cities like Montreal and Quebec City. Here's a look at just how much piled up here in the GTA. Anywhere from about 7 to 10 centimeters uh, around the Golden Horseshoe specifically. A little more for areas to our east. Right now, we're dealing with some still pretty gusty winds coming out of the west. Uh, those winds sustained around 30 kilometers per hour. It is mild and winds are on Ontario, seven degrees currently. We're at two in the city of Toronto and through the night tonight, we're expecting to fall to a low of minus three. It's quiet for a portion of the night tonight and into the start of tomorrow. Then we're looking at some active weather. We also are eyeing the next possible significant storm. It comes later this week. We'll talk about that ahead in your forecast for now, though. Nathan, over to you. All right. Thank you, Lindsay. Recent violence on Toronto's transit system has the commission's top boss asking for an emergency boost in spending. 
Rick Leary says he wants to extend the contracts of 50 temporary security guards until the fall. He's asking for an additional $15 million to help do it. The TTC board approved the plan today, but city council still needs to sign off on the matter, which may not happen until April. There are new developments tonight in the race to replace John Tory. Well, we're still months away from an official election campaign. A couple of recognizable names are already towing the starting line. CTV's Natalie Johnson's at City Hall tonight. Natalie, starting to feel like this campaign may already be underway. Yeah, Nathan, you could be forgiven for thinking that some of the big names here at City Hall had already made it official. They are announcing teams and teasing platforms, already jockeying for positioning in this race. In a return to the spotlight, former city councillor Anna Bailao has all but made it official on a mayoral bid. It's a big job and I don't take this lightly and I am seriously considering. But Bailao's media tours have begun. She's got a strategy team in place and she's already floating pieces of her platform. See you again? What we've been hearing a lot, affordability, the housing, but the services and especially around the TTC, the reliability and uh, the safety in the TTC is a key issue. Saying the lack of cell phone service in the subway system is a major issue for Torontonians. Wi-Fi in the subway, it's a no-brainer. It's a no-brainer. It happens all over the world. Let's make sure in Toronto it happens as well. But City Hall's former affordable housing guru could face stiff competition from the current head of the Planning and Housing Committee. City Councillor Brad Bradford. This is about a new chapter, a new moment in this city's history. Who today announced he's established an advisory committee of strategists and community leaders, a team ready to back him for a run. I hear from people every day, uh, they're concerned about public safety, they're concerned about getting around the city, and they're concerned about affordability and access to housing. But if there's any doubt over whether Bradford or Bailao will run, Rob Davis says he's in for sure. On this last day of Black History Month, uh, I'm hoping we're going to make history on June 26th and that'll be Toronto's first black mayor. The former city councillor calls himself a tough-on-crime fiscal conservative and is pledging to save taxpayers $21 million by cancelling the plan to rename some city streets. There's an opportunity to offer a new type of leadership uh, to the residents of Toronto. Uh, I think it's important that we bring back a bit of common sense to decision-making. The decision for challengers is if and when to confirm campaigns that are already in the works. And certainly lots more names are expected to be added to that list in the coming weeks. The nomination period officially opens April 3rd. Reporting live at City Hall, I'm Natalie Johnson. Nathan, over to you. All right, thank you, Natalie. Toronto's setting aside money for dozens of upcoming major events. Cultural festivals have an incredibly positive economic and social impact on Toronto, from creating employment and volunteer opportunities, attracting tourists and revenue, raising awareness of important issues, and creating social connections. And they're also a lot of fun. The city's deputy mayor says nearly $2 million will be provided to 44 local groups. The funding is part of an annual city program. It will go towards creating diverse programming, while helping local businesses. Event recipients range in size and scope from big names such as Caribbean Carnival and Pride to Scarborough Summerfest and Toronto Jerkfest. 
Millions of Canadians use TikTok every day, but starting today, the app is banned on all federal government devices. The move is prompting the general public to reflect on how secure their own information is on the platform. Raheem Ladani is in studio tonight with those details. Raheem. Well, Michelle and Nathan, the Ontario government may soon be following Ottawa's footsteps. And while a lot of us watch TikTok videos as a way to relieve stress, every time the app is opened, you could be giving away your personal information. All right, so TikTok got banned on all Canadian government-issued devices. On the very same social media platform the federal government is cracking down on, videos about Canada's decision to wipe TikTok off government-issued mobile devices are popping up. This is akin to first-style policy. While this is a federal decision, Quebec has already followed suit. In Ontario, the office of the Premier tells CTV News it is something we are reviewing with leaders of all political stripes agreeing to take a closer look. If there are risks uh, to our security, that's an appropriate move. I know the party has a TikTok account uh, and we'll certainly be reviewing all of our security protocols. The TikTok ban is meant to protect against cyber attacks, but many are now wondering if all Canadians should be concerned using the app. Once that data leaves your device, and heads over to China, you don't know what happens to, the, to this data behind the scenes. TikTok is owned by Chinese company ByteDance. And by law, the Chinese government can compel businesses to share their data. It's that unknown at a time Beijing is being accused of attempting to meddle in Canadian federal elections that is prompting caution compared to other social media platforms like Facebook, who also have access to user data. We think, yes, it might be about advertising. We're less worried that it might be swaying us politically. Uh, that's not true in the case of this story. For those who feel deleting TikTok altogether is too drastic, experts advise controlling how much you share. I would always caution with any app that you're using to always protect your information, to always turn off you know, those location services if you don't, don't need it to be on. Simple steps that can strengthen your safety. For its part, TikTok says it welcomes the opportunity to work with federal and provincial authorities to set the record straight with Canadians and that it's committed to operating with transparency. Reporting live, I'm Raheem Ladani. I'll send it back to you, Nathan. All right. Thanks, Raheem. Step inside the office. We check out the incredible recreation of the popular TV show, Open for Business, here in Toronto. That's just ahead. It's an issue that cuts to the core of our democratic values. There are renewed calls tonight for an independent inquiry into election interference by foreign governments. That is a problem that needs to be addressed. We should take it seriously. I think we need a public inquiry and MPs have to be uh, very measured and, and transparent in their commentary around this. I think that's very important as well. Non-Valley North MP Handong has denied media reports he was helped by the Chinese consulate while running to be the Liberal candidate in 2019. Justin Trudeau is standing by Dong but has resisted calls for an inquiry, saying insists he will continue to pressure the Prime Minister to move forward with an inquiry. Meanwhile, top executives at Google are being called to testify before a parliamentary committee following a controversial move. It was a irresponsible act and it is time that Google executives be brought uh, brought forward uh, to to explain their actions. Google's CEO will be among those answering questions from the House of Commons Heritage Committee on Monday. MPs want to hear about the company's decision to block some Canadians from accessing news through its search engine. It follows federal legislation that would require platforms like Google to compensate media companies for using their content online. 
Canada's economy slowed more than expected at the end of last year, remaining flat according to new GDP numbers. But the news is not all bad. CTV's Annie Bergeron Oliver has the details. The economy isn't booming, but it's not crashing either. Instead, growth flatlined in the last three months of 2022, following aggressive rate hikes by the Bank of Canada. What's that? That's telling us is that uh, hopefully monetary policy will continue to have success in taming down uh, the economic activity so that we can get the uh, the inflation numbers down. The Bank of Canada had expected the fourth quarter to grow by 1.3%. Instead, it hit 0% growth as investment in machinery, equipment and housing dropped off. We're starting to see interest rates bite. And so we are seeing in this in terms of business investment. Uh, particularly in housing investment, which isn't a surprise given higher interest rates are dissuading uh, people from buying houses. But there was some good news. Household spending overall was up 0.5%, with household disposable income up 3% due to new government benefits, including the one-time GST credit and an increase to old age security payments. And the early estimates suggest GDP may be starting to recover, with the economy rebounding by 0.3% last month. This would typically be a family room setup. For Roger De La Roseville, that hasn't translated into a spike in sales. Last year, sales at his electronics store were down between 5 and 10 percent, and the trend is the same for this year. There are higher costs being generated in the market just to support your family, support your uh, you know, everyday lives. So that, that will impact businesses, and our costs are going up as well. The Bank of Canada has said it needs to slow the economy in order to tame inflation. And today's GDP numbers suggest the bank may be achieving its mission. The next policy decision is on March 8th. Annie Bergeron-Oliver, CTV News, Ottawa. I want to return to that breaking news we brought you off the top of the hour. Police say a shooting has sent a man to a trauma centre this evening. Our Scott Lightfoot is at the scene and he joins us now from King & Bathurst. Scott, what can you tell us at this point? Michelle, we're actually at Portland and Stewart, so that is one street south of King Street. It runs parallel to King, and it's a fairly large scene. I'm going to step out of the way and show you here. Stewart is closed from uh, Portland all the way down to Bathurst. Police have pretty much the entire street cordoned off. This is a, a street with uh, several uh, medium-rise buildings on both sides. We've seen a lot of people who are stuck inside, sort of peering out, wondering just exactly what is happening. What we do know about what happened is this happened about 5.15 today. Police say they got a call for a shooting when they arrived. They found a man with injuries. Now, that man was taken to hospital in, uh, with an emergency run, taken to St. Mike's. A number of people, as I mentioned, live in this area. Here's what some of them said, but what they heard in the moments after the shooting. What did you see? Just, we just heard screaming, basically, uh, and we went to go check on him, and um, and then he said he got shot, and then he's bleeding, and so we called the police. The guy in this store came out, started applying pressure, helping him out, and um, yeah, police came, and that's that's where we're at. And where's the body now? Is it? Is he, he's in the, he's he, in, he was alive, he's alive. Uh, last time we saw him. They took him away in the ambulance. I thought it was coming from a balcony, and I was looking around. Somebody drove right past me, said that guy got shot, and drove away. And so I went to go check on him, and I said, what happened? And he's just, I got shot, I got shot, I'm bleeding. And so, yeah, I just called the police right away. So 
So again, the victim in this shooting is still alive. We're told they are at St. Mike's, serious but stable condition, according to Toronto paramedics. Now, we're told the shooter left the scene before police arrived. Police are not given any type of description whether or not they believe this is a single shooter or multiple shooters. We are expecting an update from police at some point. We will bring you the information as soon as we have it. For now, reporting live downtown, I'm Scott Life. Nathan, back to you. All right. Thank you, Scott. To Russia's war on Ukraine and a key contribution by Canada's military. This is new video of members of our armed forces in Poland. They're helping Ukrainian soldiers learn to operate Leopard 2 tanks. Ottawa has pledged eight of the modern heavy weapons so far. Other nations, such as Poland and Germany, are also sending the tanks from their stocks, which could be a major boost to Ukraine's war effort. Kyiv is also hoping to convince allied nations to provide fighter jets. Meanwhile, Russia is stepping up protection at its border with Ukraine. President Vladimir Putin didn't say why, but his order came hours after drones were launched deep into Russia. One got within 100 kilometers of Moscow. Officials say there was no significant damage, but the attacks raised questions about the Kremlin's defense capabilities. Ukraine has not claimed responsibility. Relatives of the victims from Sunday's shipwreck off the Italian coast are making the journey to identify the remains of their loved ones. I have two, two daughters. My child of five years is lost. Authorities say the wooden boat sank after crashing against rocks in the Ionian Sea. The ship was carrying as many as 200 migrants from Turkey to Europe. At least 65 bodies have been recovered so far, 12 of them children. Authorities have arrested three people and are looking for a fourth. They face human trafficking charges. Ontario is setting up a committee to address the health and safety risks faced by paramedics. Unlike other healthcare professionals who normally see patients in hospitals, homes or offices, paramedics face many risks as first responders, like transporting patients through traffic, exposure to harmful chemicals at the scene of a workplace accident, or drug overdoses, and many more. The province says the Paramedic Services Committee will be comprised of employer and union representatives. The group will be expected to work together to create safety guidelines that address the physical and emotional well-being of workers. Unions for paramedics say they've been calling for something like this for years. Police and firefighters already have a similar resource. A brand of chocolate sold in Ontario has been recalled. Health Canada issued the notice for various Salento Organics products because they may contain milk which is not declared on the label. The affected products include chocolate pineapple bites, organic banana dark chocolate clusters, and organic peanuts dipped in dark chocolate. Ontario's finance minister has called this year's upcoming budget a chance to outline the province's future during certain or uncertain economic times. But it was both past and present spending issues that dominated discussions at Queen's Park today. Our Queen's Park reporter Siobhan Morris explains why. With the provincial budget dropping in a little over three weeks, the NDP is needling the government with its spending wish list. From social services... Will the government ensure these programs are fully funded in this budget? ...to education... Will this government provide the necessary funding to make schools accessible in this year's budget? ...and money for shelters and housing... In this year's budget. I don't want to hear about five years from now. In this budget. The finance minister isn't willing to tip his hand. I would encourage the uh, member opposite to join us on March 23rd, where she will find out 
the historic and the unprecedented investments that we're making. Tomorrow, the province's budget watchdog digs into what the government spent through the first three quarters of this fiscal year. In his last update like this, Peter Weltman said overall spending was up, but the government was spending less than they'd planned. All sectors spent less than expected. Uh, led by the other program sector, 1.7 billion, 850 million less in health than they expected, 413 million less in education. That's left the opposition wondering. How can Ontarians trust this premier's upcoming budget will deliver for their communities when last year's bu budget hasn't even reached them? The finance minister beat up on the previous Liberal government spending record. Did the spending going to go into building more subways to connect the hundreds of thousands of people that move to Ontario every single year? And Mr. Speaker, where are Response. those people going to live? Where are they going to live? They have to live in housing, and that's what this government is accelerating to make sure we get done. Siobhan Morris, CTV News. Coming up, shrink-wrapped and out of commission. We investigate the Canada Post mailbox vandalism spree, making it frustrating in some places to mail a letter. And I'm Pat Foran. Coming up on Consumer Alert, if you live in a condominium, you should know some buildings are changing their insurance coverage. They're raising their deductibles, which means you could have to pay if you have a flood or a fire. One owner just had to pay $27,000. All of that story just ahead. Well, before the storm rolled in yesterday, sky watchers were treated to a dazzling display. The northern lights have been vibrant. Check out Orange's photo from the Timmins area and Scott's picture from the Bruce Peninsula overlooking Lake Huron, just spectacular. Here's some time-lapse video that Allison captured from the Sudbury area. This recent show of Aurora Borealis caused by a series of strong geomagnetic storms. And on Sunday night especially, weather conditions were ideal for viewing. Tonight, we can expect an increase in cloud after midnight, an overnight low of minus three degrees and a chance of some mixed precipitation tomorrow. We'll talk about the next big storm and when it could arrive coming up and stay with us. We've got another full night of great shows for you right here on CTV. Insurance rates are increasing for our cars and homes, and that also includes premiums paid by condo buildings as well. Some condos are trying to keep rates lower by raising their deductible, but that could leave a condo owner on the hook if their building makes a claim. Pat Foran explains why on Consumer Alert. Pat. Thanks, Michelle and Nathan. An Etobicoke woman had a flood in her condo last year. She had insurance and thought everything would be looked after, but her building raised its deductible, and now she has to pay $27,000 to cover the damages. As far as we were concerned, it was a standard clean. Sandra Ricci helps out her mother Irene with her condominium units in Etobicoke. Last March, there was a flood following a plumbing issue in the bathroom. My mom uh, was just away for the night and she had the supply line to her toilet, like just basically burst off and there was a flood. Ricci is on the fifth floor and there was water damage to the units below. Basically just straight down all the respective units. Irene had condo insurance for her unit and her building had insurance to cover the common elements. But about two years ago, the building raised its deductible, which the Ricci's say they weren't aware of. My mom's insurance covers up to 25 grand for any deductible on, that the condo insurance has. The condo insurance deductible is 50 grand. The Ricci's now have to cover the deductible difference plus expenses, totaling more than $27,000. That's serious money. 
When the Ricci's contacted their condo, they were told they had been notified of the changes in paperwork. The management company told CTV News the condominium corporation bylaws section allows the corporation to recoup expenses incurred for damages originating in a unit or caused by a unit owner. The Condominium Authority of Ontario says it's important to pay close attention to all documents you're sent, especially with regards to insurance. Any change to the deductible or the insurance details should it must be sent to the owners within 30 days. The Ricci's feel more should have been done to make sure owners were aware of the changes. It went up $25,000. So why wasn't some extra effort made to make sure you know what you're covered for? Because you will get the bill and you will have to pay it. And many other condo buildings are also raising their deductibles to try and keep insurance costs down. If you live in a condo, you should make sure you have the proper coverage so you don't get hit with a surprise huge bill. On your side, I'm Pat Foran. If you have a consumer story idea, email us at alert at ctv.ca. If you own property in this city, you have until the end of the day to declare whether it's occupied or not. The measure is part of a city plan to get potential unused units back on the rental and housing markets. If a unit is empty or if the deadline passes and no declaration is made, owners will be taxed 1% of the current value of the property. It's an unusual sight, mailboxes throughout the city wrapped in plastic shrink wrap. Canada Post delivered the strange news today saying a spike in vandalism put many of its mailboxes in Toronto out of commission. CTV's Janice Golding has the story. Spray-painted, vandalized mailboxes aren't hard to spot in downtown Toronto. Yes, um, most of them. I've always noticed, but it's, uh, I guess, a canvas that people want to use for that, like any other public property. But in addition to the graffiti, you're now more likely to see this. Mailboxes wrapped in caution tape sealed to prevent people from depositing mail in damaged or unsecured boxes. The Crown Corporation says we have recently experienced a rapid and unprecedented increase in vandalism to our street letter boxes in Toronto, adding that it's ramped up its prepare processes. Anything that's public property, if you're damaging it, it's actually, you know, you're, you're harming the society in general uh, because it's public's money. It's, it's terrible. It's terrible. I don't know what's the purpose of this. Canada Post has apologized for any inconvenience and says it hopes to have damaged mailboxes back in service soon. In the meantime, customers without a functional mailbox are directed to their nearest post office. Not a fan of anybody sort of blocking accessibility to anything. The Crown Corporation says its security and investigations team is working with local law enforcement to stamp out the problem. I haven't seen anyone doing it in action, no. Would you report them if you did? Uh... I guess who would come, though? Canada Post is also reviewing its street equipment to enhance security. Janice Golding, CTV News. All right, let's talk about the forecast. This is the last day of the month, and hopefully we'll be feeling some spring-like temperatures soon. Hopefully. Wow, this month went quickly. It's the shortest month, and, and we did get our fair share of wintry events. In the end, we had a, a fair amount of snow. I think what February is going to be remembered for, uh, much like the last couple of months we've had here in the city of Toronto, just how mild it's been. I'll show you the temperature story in just a moment, but I do want to talk about this upcoming first week of March. Uh, have you ever heard the phrase, March coming in like a lion or a lamb? Well, the first day tomorrow, not overly active, but the 
couple of days after that, boy, oh boy, it looks like we could be in for another significant storm. We'll show you what we know at this point. It is still a few days out, but we'll try to prepare you for the weekend ahead. Weather is brought to you by Train, the most reliable heating and cooling brand. It's hard to stop a train. So as we say goodbye to the month of February, here's a look at some of the stats from the month. Our average daytime high was three degrees on the plus side. Our average daytime high it, when you put all the months of February together, not just taking into consideration this one, it's about minus 4.5 degrees. So yes, certainly warmer than normal. Our warmest day was the 15th of the month when we climbed all the way to 15 degrees. Do you remember that day? Gone now is the snow that uh, fell last night. It is uh, moving on out. Uh, we're seeing some clearing in Ottawa, for example. Here's the next disturbance. I'm not going to call this one a storm necessarily because it really doesn't have the same amount of power as yesterday's or the one that comes next. But with this, we can expect uh, perhaps a burst of flurries midday tomorrow. So just be mindful of that. Uh, there's about 1130 in the morning, maybe a little bit of mixing down Niagara Way. And then into the evening hours, again, it doesn't show up very well on radar or on our forecast radar, but we do have a slight risk of some freezing drizzle. Thursday is looking like a pretty good day overall. The cloud cover is going to break up. We will hopefully enjoy some sun, but then here's what we're watching for Friday. So confidence is growing that there will be a storm that sweeps across southern Ontario. What we still don't know at this point is the exact track of that low. Therefore, we don't exactly know the timing of its arrival, nor do we know the types of precipitation we could be in for. But early looks at this system show that anywhere from 10 to 20 centimeters is a possibility. Once again, maybe with some freezing rain and ice pellets too. So that's your early heads up for Friday, especially late in the day. Winds could get quite strong as well. Overnight tonight, calm by comparison. Minus three degrees for the low, three on the plus side tomorrow for a daytime high. Average temperature at this point in the season is now about two degrees, so we're seasonal. Thursday, it's about four degrees, and then there's Friday. Active weather looks to follow us at least into the start of your weekend. For Saturday, improvements as we make our way into the day on Sunday, just a chance of scattered flurries. I'm already looking ahead to next Monday. That looks pleasant. Mainly sunny skies and a high of two, but perhaps another round of snow by next Tuesday. This active weather pattern continues. Michelle, I'll send it back to you. Thanks, Lindsay. Some GTA electricians are celebrating a $1 million lottery win. They had only been playing together for eight months when they hit the Lotto 649 jackpot. They say they plan to invest the money, pay bills, travel, and renovate their homes. The winning ticket was purchased at an Etobicoke Petro-Canada station in December. Also tonight, Scranton's most famous paper company comes to Toronto. How fans of The Office can check out the iconic TV workplace for themselves just ahead. The Office is a popular American TV show which ran for nine seasons, eventually signing off in 2013. But now fans can step into The Office experience and fully immerse themselves in everything Dinder, make that Dunder Mifflin. CTV's Andrea Case has this preview. Scranton has come to Toronto. The interactive office experience opens in Yorkdale Mall on Friday. Tickets to explore your favorite mid-level regional paper company are now available. The show itself, what made it special is the characters, you know, and, and the writing. It is a non-traditional show. Not everyone is 
um, coming out of modeling school. You know what I mean? Like they're real people. You can relate to every single person, you know, in there. Just as the Friends experience offered fans the opportunity to geek out over their favorite show last year, this installation is bigger, more interactive, offering details any fan can appreciate. You can sit down, you can ruffle through the pages, you can of, you can open the drawers in Jim's desk. You can play with Dwight Stapler. What we're leaning into more than ever is making it a place where you can come and you can just hang out and just experience every little detail of it. To duplicate the authenticity, they worked with the creator of The Office, bringing to life not only the layout, but specific details. As fans know, this is where a lot of the magic happens throughout the series is between Jim and Pam's desks all day long. Any fan worth their salt will remember the chilly episode. You can bring your own camera and take a selfie, or you can pay for a premium photo experience. Dunder Mifflin was a paper company, and you can take some home when you take the tour. At the end of the tour, they have a store, but you don't need a ticket to come inside here, but you will need one to take the full office experience. It's here until June 4th. Andrea Case, CTV News. Stars Tonight is brought to you by Lastman's Bad Boy. Who's better? Nobody. We just heard screaming, basically, uh, and we went to go check on him, and, um, and then he said he got shot, and then he's bleeding, and so we called the police. Updating our top stories, a man's in hospital with serious injuries following a shooting near Bathurst and Stewart Street. No arrests have been made. Police have not given a suspect description and are asking anyone with information to contact them. There's very few restaurants that really have a lively ambiance. It was really nice, really good environment. I mean, when they renovated, uh, it was a great restaurant and great uh, nightlife kind of area. Myth Restaurant near King and Spadina will remain closed until further notice after a two-alarm fire ripped through the business early this morning. No injuries have been reported and the cause of the fire remains under investigation. Makes no sense. That's not a solution to the problem, right? If anything, uh, I have no idea what to do to fix that, but cutting uh, flights is definitely not. Pearson Airport announced it will be implementing a hard limit on flights during the March break and summer travel seasons. The measure is meant to avoid a repeat of last year's chaos, which saw canceled flights, delays, and issues collecting baggage. In business, Canada's economy lost a little more steam in December, but economists say it's a sign that higher interest rates are doing their job. With more, here's Jacqueline Hansen from BNN Bloomberg. Rarely would policymakers be pleased to see Canada's economy grow less than expected. But with inflation as high as it is, bad news in the short term may be good news in the long term. Canada's economy contracted slightly in December, down 0.1%. The country's central bank has been raising interest rates in order to cool the economy. If it costs more to borrow, consumers and businesses will spend less. Less demand for goods and services should hopefully allow supply to catch up up and put a lid on rising prices. BMO's chief economist Doug Porter says the latest GDP data suggests the Bank of Canada will be able to pause hiking at its next meeting as it had hoped. And Porter says if growth remains below potential, as he expects it will, the central bank will be able to stay on the sidelines longer.
Meanwhile, more clothing retailers are sharing a snapshot of how consumer demand is holding up. At Urban Outfitters, it's a bit of a mixed bag. It reported after markets closed today and sales were higher than analysts expected, but profit missed. Its banners, Anthropology and Free People, tend to carry cater rather to a higher income demographic that analysts have said are holding up better financially. Meanwhile, Target, which tends to attract shoppers looking for a bargain, reported a strong end to last year. However, it gave a cautious forecast for this year. And new data shows last year Canadians were scammed out of a record amount of money. According to the Canadian Anti-Fraud Centre, reported losses in 2022 totaled $520 million. That's up from the previous high in 2021 by nearly 40%. And the report suggests it is just a small fraction of the actual losses. The Anti-Fraud Centre estimates that only 5 to 10% of people report fraud. Let's take a look at some of the closing market numbers for today. The Canadian dollar is trading lower, about a third of a cent, to 73.3 cents U.S. West Texas Intermediate Oil gained about $1.30 to $77 U.S. a barrel. And Western Canadian Select gained almost $1.50 to roughly $60 U.S. a barrel. As for stock markets, the TSX declined just about 40 points to end the day at 20,221.19. That is the latest in business. I'm Jacqueline Hansen of BNN Bloomberg. Major companies doing business with Ottawa will soon have to disclose their carbon footprint. The requirement applies to any firm with a federal government contract worth more than $25 million. Starting April 1st, they'll have to publish their annual greenhouse gas emissions. The companies will also need to set a net zero emissions target by 2050 and report on their progress. The Sports Leaf Nation has a lot to digest tonight. Their team's been very busy wheeling and dealing in the last few hours. Rasmus Sandin's off to Washington in exchange for fellow defenseman Eric Gustafson and a 2023 first-round pick. Toronto's also dealt forward Pierre Engvall to the Islanders for a third-round pick in the 2024 draft. And Luke Shen is returning to Toronto. The Blue Liner was acquired from the Canucks for a third-round pick in 2023. The pending unrestricted free agent was drafted by the Buds and played four seasons here. The NHL trade deadline is Friday. The Raptors are looking to bounce back from a weekend loss when they host the Bulls tonight. OG with the steal. Ananobi ahead to Scotty B. Garland strips it. The Raps started out okay Sunday against Cleveland, but they stumbled in the second quarter and never recovered. Toronto is currently ninth in the East and holds a spot in the play-in tournament. Tip-off against Chicago goes at 7.30. Alejandro Kirk has had some special moments with the Blue Jays, but none of them come close to this. The all-star catcher and his wife, Sophia, are celebrating the birth of their first child. Their daughter was born shortly after 12 midnight. She was due on Valentine's Day, so Kirk has been at home awaiting her arrival while his mates begin spring training in Dunedin. The Jays sent a group of coaches to California to help him start getting ready for the season. But the delay means Kirk will not play in next month's World Baseball Classic. Just ahead, where the Argos Grey Cup Championship trophy appeared today with players on a mission to help students realize bullying is out of bounds. Hi, Nathan and Michelle. Tomorrow is Wellness Wednesday on the program, and we'll get a visit from the Tiger Doctor, Elaine Chin. She'll have some important information for people traveling to sunny destinations over March break to protect your skin. Now, it's also the deadline for contributing to your RRSP, so we'll have some last-minute tips on what to do with your dough. 
tonight, the expanding crackdown on TikTok. We'll take a pause now and assess, uh, is, is there a way to use it safely? More government bodies now banning the popular app and the harsh reaction from Beijing. Later on CTV National News. Bucking tradition by mixing modern technology with ancient rituals. Look at this. A Hindu temple in India is using a life-size robotic elephant for religious ceremonies. People for ethical treatment of animals donated the mechanical pachyderm, which runs on electricity. The temple has pledged to stop keeping or hiring elephants and other animals. It hopes to set a precedent that protects them from potential abuse during captivity. The Grey Cup trophy continued its journey this week. Brought today to an Indigenous-focused school as players open up, sharing their stories to tackle bullying through inclusivity and positivity. CTV's Beth McDonnell reports. It was really awesome touching it. It was really cool. Grey Cup champions inspiring the next generation. The Toronto Argonauts showing off their trophy at Kapapa Machaque Wandering Spirit School for kids who identify as Indigenous. Behind the excitement of the first-time visit, an important message. Bullying is not good because someone could get hurt. I've been, been called short and I've been getting mad, but I try to keep my cool. Tackling bullying in their Huddle Up presentation, team staff, former Argo Matt Black, and the Grey Cup's most outstanding player, Enoch Moamba. Born in the Congo, he moved around a lot, eventually settling in Mississauga, where he had to learn English. For me to be able to support here and share my story, share my journey, if it can encourage um, any Indigenous person, um, anyone in general, um, you know, I feel like um, that's the least that I can do. Well, when I was bullied, I felt alone. In high school, Jason Calero was bullied on his football team before becoming one of the longest-serving members of the Argos. Calero founded the Huddle Up program over 20 years ago to help schools be inclusive and build a positive culture. You might say something that's going to change the way somebody feels and the way somebody does things. That's the key. When we have uh, programs come in here like this, it reinforces core teachings that we follow here. Respect and humility. Taking action, one huddle at a time. Beth McDonnell, CTV News. Well, an uneventful end to February weather-wise, and tomorrow we welcome a brand new month. We do, and I think we'll take the uneventful night tonight after all that uh, action last night with that stormy weather. And tomorrow's looking uh, not overly active either, but there is a little bit of precipitation that you'll want to be aware of. First, let's begin with a look at the current satellite and radar. Expect some clearing this evening, followed by an increase in cloud cover through the overnight hours. Tomorrow morning is quiet. We might even see a couple of slivers of sunshine, but otherwise, it's a mostly cloudy day and we are expecting a burst of snow about midway through the day, not amounting to a whole lot, but just enough to maybe cause a small commotion. Uh, my bigger concerns are as we inch toward Friday, significant snow a possibility at this point. We'll have an even better grasp on the forecast by tomorrow and even more so into the day on Thursday. So stay tuned for that. And a reminder, tonight's Lotto Max jackpot is an estimated $55 million plus four Max Millions, Nathan and Michelle, back to you. All right, thank you, Lindsay. Be sure to join Omar Sachedina tonight at 11 for CTV National News, followed by Zoraida Allman with our next local newscast at 11.30. In the meantime, our coverage continues anytime on CP24 and online at ctvnewstoronto.ca. For Lindsay and all of us at CTV News, thank you for watching and have a good night.